So many more people are serving us in the nursery ministry, other ministries, I know that. But those are your active church staff and those are your active deacons that serve. So if you need anything, you have, obviously you don't need permission, but you always have opportunity to go to them and say, hey, how about our church? Let's pray about this. Let me tell you what started most of this with me. Setting out a certain beach that y'all know, most of you, if you know me, I don't love the beach, but my wife does. We were at this beach church. And as you know, we can always be judgmental if you're not careful. Everybody can about somebody else because you can always tell them what they can do better, right? Because uh, you get to see from a, a broader range. You're not there every day. But I noticed as I was sitting under the tent, Wendy's in the sun, enjoying the sun. I'm sitting under the tent, enjoying the shade and the breeze. I started looking around going, wow, if I was a pastor at a beach church, I'm sure we'd be handing out suntan lotion, water bottles, something with all these people down there from around the world we should be getting, the church should be doing something. And so we went to the beach church that Sunday, which is one block off the beach. And I'm not shaming the church. I'm just telling you what's happened to me and what's happened to our church. I believe the same way. I went to church, came home, and uh, it was a good sermon, good, good uh, service that day. Talked to Wendy, went out back out to the beach after church. And I said, Wendy, how many people in the church did you notice had really dark tans or really were sunburned? And she goes, well, I didn't, everybody was kind of a lighter shade. I didn't notice anybody that would dark tan besides the lady who sat behind me. And she was a visitor. She, she introduced herself and said, because they talked about, oh, I love your dress. I love your dress too, that kind of story. And they both were comparing tans, what they really were doing. Uh, but there was nobody sunburned or dark skinned from the sun in the church. What does that tell you? The church is not on the beach. There's nobody on the beach. If you're on the beach, you're going to turn, I don't care how brown you are, right, or how white you are, you're going to turn another color if you spend any time out in the sun. You're going to go deeper into your color. And I started thinking about us as Town Creek. How in the world are we the beach church, and this is the beach all around us? How are we not reaching the beach, right? Because the whole reason we exist as a church is to do what? Fulfill the Great Commission. And the great commandment of God, that's to go make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them and teach them everything that Jesus taught, and to love God, love others as we love ourselves. Those are the two great things, and those two great things we can even teach in our new members class will make a great church. So for me, it's been good. I went to larger churches, smaller churches as I was out and about, heard different preachers preach, and I started thinking about how many people actually are still watching at home on YouTube. Now, if you're if you're, on, if you're bedridden or if you're sick, that's one thing to do is flip it on. We were able to do the same thing after church service. We could come in and watch the service. But if you're at home and you're capable and able to come to church and you don't, this is just entertainment for you. This is just something that you, I like this or I don't like that. And it just becomes church entertainment. It becomes like the light version of church. And God never had church and church light. Amen? He said, this is my body, right? What did he do? He, what did he do for his bride? He Gave himself for her. He died on the cross. He suffered the penalty of sin, your sin and my sin, that we might be different, that he actually, we would actually, he would encounter us and, and live inside of us if we would invite him and we would go change the world for Jesus Christ. We're here today because 12 disciples decided they would do exactly what he said to do. Have you ever thought about that? When you get to the Middle East and when you share the gospel, they say, well, that's the white man or the Western's gospel. You ever heard that? Yeah, it, it said that, but where does the gospel of Jesus Christ come from? It comes from where? The Middle East. It comes here. So it's, it's not anyone's gospel, it's God's gospel. So today, we're going to look at the sermon today, and this is simply this, catching the vision of Christ 
and the subtitle is Treasure Points. We're going to look at these little treasure points that Jesus gave, and you can actually turn to Luke chapter 12. We'll do this together. And it's a very simple sermon today, and I think that's, um, it's not time to know the Greek and the Hebrew, it's time to know the English and get out and do it. Amen? Because I said in some sermons where the pastor described all the Greek language or the, uh, the Hebrew language that was about it, and I was like, they're still not doing it. It was a room full of of church members are just sitting there looking at the pastor and no amens, no nothing. It didn't hit a string of bell, but guess what? I bet you they'll be back there this Sunday. Now, I'm a little thankful that it's hot in here. Bowen just told me it's scheduled to be the hottest day on record in South Carolina today, so it, uh, I'm excited about that, aren't y'all? What we're going to do is actually buy the church fans since our air condition, we have had three or four air conditioners, by the way, decided it was going to lose their mind and go ahead and go out. It's about $50,000 plus of small air conditioners plus the big boy out back. So um, pray about that and give. If you like air conditioning and you're not a giver to this church, then give financially uh, because we're gonna have to, it's going to take some money. Uh, somebody told me they were here doing it. It was one of our contractors this week, and I was walking around with them, and they were checking a part of our systems, and I said, what church do you go to? He said, I don't go to church. All they do is ask for money. I was like, yeah, that's terrible. And they're just a bunch of losers asking for money. I said, so y'all are going to donate your services today. Is that correct? He said, we can't do that. we got to stay in business. How are we going to pay the bills? I was like, good answer. I said, do you see the correlation that you actually, we are one of your customers and we're paying you. How do we get the money to pay you? God doesn't go, here's your welfare check at the end of the month. How does he do it? God doesn't drop money out of heaven. How does he do it? He said, my God shall supply all of your need according to what? His riches and glory and his riches are setting in your britches, right? Amen? Or in your purse. Is that true? So we must give liberally. We're going to see this today. When Jesus speaks here in Luke, he's also Matthew. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, it's a, 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 the same uh, story, if you will, but a little bit of difference of details that Luke gives us that Matthew does not, and vice versa. So let's dive in today, and I'm excited to be back today. Here we go. Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 13. When you're there, say Amen. All right. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one provided for you, and the scripture should be up on the screen. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Have y'all heard that? As soon as mom and daddy die, what do the children do? Oh, they want to go to war about who. Mama said, I can have that. Grandma said, I can have that. I've known a family members putting dots on the back of grandma's furniture before grandma died so that that, that's theirs. They could claim that before she died. this, how sick of people have we become as, as a nation? We're prosperous people, and when there's a, something to get, we want to get our gut, right? We want to go get the best part of it because uh, who's going in for the ribeyes? Anybody? If a cow's killed, who wants the ribeyes? Anybody want the uh, fillets? Anybody want the sirloins? Those nasty, tough pieces of meat. Anybody want the New York strip? Anybody not eat steak? Any of y'all eat steak? Y'all want ground beef? Uh, well, yeah, well, I don't know. So I'm going for the New York Strip and the ribeye, just for the record. The filet I can take as well. But listen, we always go in for the best part. And be careful because this is our nature. This is our human sinful nature is to get mine, right? To get mine. Get my portion or whatever it might be. So as we read this, Jesus is, this man comes up to Jesus. He speaks to them. And you got to read in context because Jesus just finished talking about confessing him before men and putting him first. And then this man comes up and says, tell my brother, like Jesus is some kind of judge for them, right? Here he goes, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
Verse 14, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, or your Bible might say greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, okay, let me tell you a story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. This is a farmer, okay, a rich farmer. And I was reminded when I went to Jackson about this, I called Wendy and thought it was funny. There was a big sign that reminded me of this story. And I asked her the question. I called her and said, hey, do you know why the wealthy farmer did not say hello to his neighbors for free? Does anybody know? Because his haze for sale. Amen? It's a dad joke on Sunday morning. Here's this guy. All right. All right. This guy's haze for sale. Watch this. Take heed and beware of covetousness for the ones like, some of y'all are still processing my joke. Life does not consist the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. This would have been wheat. This would have been something of barley. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which have been provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. Nor, what the body, uh, nor about the body or what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? How many can add an inch to make yourself taller? If then you are not able to do, and Jesus says this least thing, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory, that's King Solomon, by the way, was not arrayed like one of these. 28. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to whom? To you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I pray a blessing on this word today that we would understand this, not just hear it and comprehend it, but Father, we would settle in and live this type of life. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. If you're taking notes, the notes will pop up on the screen as well. And I was really, um, all the traveling I've done, almost every church I went to has eliminated the bulletin. Uh, they've, I saw people in the, in the senior adult class that, that I was in. No one taking notes. Everybody was just sitting there listening. And then I went into the young class. I'm like, well, that's church must have the same culture. 
And almost everyone I looked down the rows of looking, this is, I was just observing, almost every young person had a notebook out writing in their notebook, filling in uh, answers. They were actually writing in stuff that meant something to them. Let me challenge you as we transition in the future, uh, the self-feeding, the, the small spoon feeding is going to have to transition where if you want it, you got to get it. Amen? Uh, you can't be baby fed the rest of your life. And we're going to have a new series at the end of this series after we finish in our Catalyst group. It's called Grow Up. Grow Up. And we're going to have an opportunity to grow up together and see what the Word of God says about growing up. But today I want you to see this vision. Catch this vision of Christ. And I call these treasure points. Here we go. Number one, it is not, this might surprise some of you, it is not a sin to be wealthy. Amen? Watch this. Wealth is not offensive to God. All things belong to Him. When wealth becomes an idol, it also becomes what? You can see that. A downfall. Wealth can actually be used for the glory of God. By the way, Jesus had wealthy people all around him. And go to the man's house. There's two donkeys tied, right? Did Jesus use those when he came into town? That was someone's property. The upper room, that was someone's property. When Jesus was buried, the Bible says he was buried in a rich man's tomb. That was someone's property. There were people who used their wealth for the glory of God. And I've told you, Philippians 4.19, if you take notes, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. When there's a need, and obviously we don't give to need, we give to the kingdom, right? We give to the king. When I give my offering, my tithes and offerings, I'm not giving so we can fix the air conditions. I'm not giving so we can actually do this or that. I'm giving so that we can actually, there, God can be glorified. Knowing that every time a resource comes in, there's actually a use for that resource. We're, we have not been challenged or charged to put up a large bank account for the church. We don't have this excess contingency fund because the church obviously should be good stewards of what we have. But listen, we don't, we're not to build big bank accounts in the church. We're to actually use the, the Lord's resources for the kingdom work. It starts here and it goes there, wherever there may be. Kids and Christians came back from Malaysia and Thailand and you might not be surprised, they're going back out to Japan. we got a group, Mike is working with Chris, they're talking right now about going to Puerto Rico the first of the year. There's need, desperate need where devastations happen from storms. Uh, there's other things that's been, that's been happening around the world that God's calling us to. We don't just run out to where the fires are. We ask God, where do you want us to go? Bring to us the people you want us to have and then send us to the places you want us to go. We don't just jump on the first train leaving town. But when the train's blowing the whistle and God says, all aboard, guess what we should do? And what we must do is get on board with God and go where God sends us. And it costs things to send. Paul commended the Philippian church. Listen, I commend you. You didn't have much, but you sent us. Aren't you glad that Paul was sent on mission? Aren't you glad that Paul was put in prison every once in a while? Yeah, I am too, because he settled down, had to write some of the things that God wanted him to get out. And we have it today in his word. So just remember, it's not a sin to be wealthy. Number two, look at this. There's a warning. Everyone, verses, this is verses uh, uh, three, uh, the 13, excuse me, 13, the half part of 13, 18 and 19, it jumps. Everyone must guard against covetousness, greed. Greed comes in various forms. Did you know that? Go back to Exodus. And if you know this, obviously Exodus chapter 20. Everybody turn there with me really quick, if you would. Exodus 20. You there? Say amen. Did y'all beat me? Exodus 20. You know these as the what? Ten Commandments. And there's over 600 commandments in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible, I should say. Verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And you've ever did the, now many times in Aiken, I know they do it, the tour of homes. Have y'all done that? Well, the tour of homes can make you actually feel like 
Oh, well, I wish I had a house like this. Oh, this is so nice. What if I had this house? And what if I had this? If you're not careful, you'll desire the things of those who have those things. There was many places when Woodside first opened, I can remember someone having a conversation with me. They bought the house and they rented the furniture. They slept on the floor. The kids slept on the floor upstairs and they rented furniture downstairs so that they could actually have parties and make people think that they had more than they actually had. Isn't that funny? That was way back in the, that's been, what, how many years ago has that now been? Years ago. Uh, they had to put a front on that they actually were better off than they were. This is what the Bible is very clear. Listen, don't desire somebody's stuff because I was, before coming to this church, the total membership of, town, of uh, First Baptist Smartbrook at the time was 7,000 members. Now, about 3,500 attended on a regular basis. It was going and blowing. And I want to tell you this. This is the same with personal riches or personal stuff. The bigger, the more stuff you have, the more stuff has you. Amen? I told you before, if you don't have a boat, you don't have boat problems. If you don't have a motorcycle, you don't have motorcycle problems. If you don't have a big house, you don't have big house problems. If you don't have a business, you don't have business problems. Amen? If, you don't, if you're not married, you don't have spouse problems. Right? If you don't have children, you don't have children problems. There's blessings in all those things. I want you to see that. Listen, that's not a sin to have those things. But the more stuff you have, the more stuff has you. Or it needs some of your time. It'll call you, hey, come over here, cut my grass. Come over here, fix my plumbing. Come over here, put gas in the, in the tank, right? If the more stuff you have, the more stuff you've got to commit to that stuff. So stuff in itself is not wrong, but be careful that you guard against, I want that. Covetousness is this. Look at verse 17. You should not covet your neighbor's house. <clears throat> These were dirt houses, by the way, back in this time. Most of them were tents. Can you imagine coveting someone's tent? I guess if you're a big camper, you go, wow, that's a six-bedroom tent. Ours is only a two-bedroom tent. I don't know what, how, how you covet a tent, but it was, it's human nature back in the day when there was tent and dirt houses. And now today we have just what? What's, what's brick made out of? Dirt, right? It's still dirt houses. No matter what, how nice it looks outside, it's still made of dirt. What's your body made of? Dirt. Listen, when you die, you're going to turn back into dirt. Everything's just a pile of dirt, just prettier dirt, right? It just moved around the planet. All right, let's continue. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife because you don't know how bad she can be when that door closes, right? Now, that's not reason, right? It could be that she's pretty or she's very intellectual or she's, she's a leader or whatever it might be, but the Bible is very clear. Don't covet her. Don't say, I want to be, I don't want, not, you can model after somebody's discipleship, but don't say, I want her. As soon as you say, I want her, because it says, I want her and I don't want him to have it. Art can go today for men as well. I want him and I don't want her to have him. I want his car, his truck, her stuff, and don't want them to have it. Watch, it continues. Nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is, in, that is your neighbor's. And who is your neighbor? Jesus answered that question. Who is my neighbor? He asked that question. Who is your neighbor? Everybody take your index finger. I know you know this, right? And go ahead and just point to somebody randomly. Look around. That is your neighbor. Can you covet even within the family? Yes. How does this start out? Teacher, tell my brother, right? Tell him to settle the inheritance with me. Because I want what dad has. Some people are excited, and this generation is very excited for their parents to die. They're ready for their parents to die so they can get their stuff. Did you know that stuff comes with a cost? That might shock you, but you can actually do some of the surveys and read some of the studies and, and actually live among people. I want their house. 
I want their stuff. I want their car. And it happens over and over again. It's why Jesus, and Jesus is God, by the way. When you see these treasures, this is God speaking. That's why in the top ten, what Lord wrote with his fingers on tablets of stone saying, do not covet because what is our nature, church? Our nature is to covet. I want your stuff and I don't want you to have it. I'm greedy. I want more. And by the way, greed, here's the definition of greed in the dictionary. Intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, and this might surprise you, or even food. Or even food. Does that surprise you that that's the definition of greed? Because Jesus is going to go back and speak. Listen, don't covet their stuff. Don't want their stuff. And then he even comes back and says, don't worry. Isn't life more than clothes and food? He knows that our heart, because when he made us, he knew how he made us to eat. Did y'all know that? Adam and Eve were designed to eat. Now, they were on a full vegetarian diet back in the day. And we don't see them eating meat. And obviously, Noah's told to kill and eat. So... We, we actually go back and look and see even everything ate the plants and, and the nuts and all the fruits and the things that were in the garden. But here we see the appetites grow because people's appetites. And by the way, people, and this might surprise you, this might surprise you a lot, but you can ask somebody, ask your neighbor, matter, matter of fact, after church, some people will spend more on lunch today, on Sunday lunch, than they ever give to the Lord's house or Lord's work at church. They will tip their waiter or waitress more than they'll ever tip God. Church, God forbid if that's you. What a sorry life that you live if you go feed your stomach a steak and you never give one iota to the Lord's work to buy toilet paper at Town Creek Baptist Church if this is your church home. Amen? Or whatever your church home is. Well, Pastor, you don't understand my finances. Well, who got you into that mess? Sell that car that you have a payment on. Sell that house and downsize. Sell that whatever it is, that extra, and get rid of it so that you can actually be in the kingdom mindset and the kingdom working. If you're talking about, if you're young married, listen, if you're talking about getting married or if you're a teenager waiting to look one day to get married, don't get into the trap of the world. The world says, buy this, do this, go here. you got to have this, the status. We saw this uh, two days ago, was it New York, where the influencer on YouTube had all these people dump on New York and it was riots, young people over a, a gaming station or something they could actually benefit just to play video games with because they didn't have one. They coveted, and it was a picture of greed just attacking the city, and it called up the police force and so many different things. Have you seen it in the news? That was a very strong picture. I was going to show the what almost riots. It wasn't quite riots, even though they were launching things and throwing things and breaking things and fighting uh, because they were greedy. Everybody wanted that one that's going to happen, that one station, that one gaming station. Greed overwhelms us, and if you think you're immune to it, listen, then you're actually saying God's not telling the truth. Because God put it in his Ten Commandments. You shall not, thou shall not covet. And he made a list of things not to covet. And he goes on and further on to, to do that. So the warning is there. Don't covet it. Greed comes in various forms. Don't forget that. Number three, an individual's personal property does not define them. You are not known by your personal property. If you have a suit, a nice suit of clothing, if you have a nice dress or skirt or whatever it might be, listen, just give it a couple years. You will not fit into it in a couple years. Anybody, any guys in here still have clothes from high school or college, military days? Anybody they still stuck back in the back corner? All right, let me ask it a better way. Does anybody have clothes more than five years old that you hope that's going to come back into fashion? Raise your hand. You know good well you're never going to get in those clothes again. They might bust the seams and put it in you in the casket and lay it over top of you. But you ain't getting in it again because what happens? We get older and our bodies do what? 
change, and guess what? We're getting ready. We go through this process called life, and then we're getting ready to turn back in the dirt. Right? We came from nothing. God had to create us out of nothing to life to back to nothing. If we really think about life and think, this is what I found out. And I told the prayer team this morning, everybody take yourself on that really quick. I want to show you. I want you to do this. I want everybody to experience it here. I know we did it this morning. I want you to do it again. Just please do it for me. Now, if you have an Android like Adrian does, I don't know what it does because it don't half the time answer my calls. I want you to take your button and go ahead and just tell your phone you're going to shut it off. Just, just hold it down. But don't shut it off. I want you to show it. It's going to, your phone is so freaked out that you're going to shut it off. It says, wait a minute. Do you want to shut me off or do you want to call 911? Watch. It thinks you're so crazy that to shut it down, it's going to ask you, do you want to shut down or do you want me to call an emergency number because something's wrong with you? Because it knows that you can't go a day without it. Do you understand? Now, whose phone does that? Raise, raise your hand. It says, emergency call. Puts it at the bottom below the power off. It says, do you want to cut me off? Or do you have an emergency that I need to call because nobody in their right mind shuts me off, right? Did y'all know that even secular scientists, motivational speakers are saying, we don't think anymore. There's no time to think. You let YouTubers and all these other people think for you. How many times have you ever shut it off and just spent time with God and thinking, leave it at home? But pastor, what if something happens? What if my children travel across town? My 360 app tries to tell me where they are. Y'all do realize that your children are giving their friends their phones and going to do what they want to do that's mischievous and come back and get their phones. Y'all do know that, right? You can't be that dumb that you think your kid's going to go get in some trouble and carry their phone with them. If I was going to do bad when I was a teenager and had a phone, I would tell my friend, my mom thinks I'm at this address, keep my phone there. And then I'd come back later or put it in their mailbox and come back and get it later. Don't think you're gaming your kids. Your kids know better than you do. Amen? They know what they're doing. The world knows what it's doing. Apple knows what it's doing. They know these phones are addictive. We don't think anymore. You don't have time to process. So when we don't think, what do we see? Wow, I wish I had that. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow, 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 wow. You can go get a second job and be at that beach, right? Or be in the Bahamas, wherever you want to go. If you just apply yourself, spend time to think. Let me keep going. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10 tells you very clearly, listen, contentment and godliness is great gain. You're wealthy. If you're content with what you have and you have Jesus Christ in relationship with him, you have great gain. You're the richest person on the planet. There's nothing that compares to having a love relationship with Jesus Christ, walking daily with him, thinking what he thinks, saying what he says, and doing what he says to do. That is the catching the vision of, of Jesus Christ. He wants you to be like him. The old bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? You have him inside of you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit teaching you and showing you the way and saying, this is what I would do, walk Worthy, like we sang this morning. Number four, verse 20, a fool, a fool will waste their wealth on self-gratifying things versus investing their resources on kingdom agendas. You'll eat more. Look, go back and actually add up how much your receipts are for the last year eating food, groceries, and going out to eat and compare that to what you gave to the Lord's work wherever, here, radio stations, wherever it might be, somebody to give out the gospel and see how it compares. You should be ready to say, listen, this doesn't even come close. I, my giving to the Lord's work doesn't even come close to making the ministry go forward because I put it right here on my stomach, right? And we know what the Bible says. Jesus is very clear. Bless it, eat it, and it's let out through waste. Isn't that true? 
the best steak, whatever you like, lobster, whatever your thing is, pie, whatever, cake, whatever it is, it goes in good and it comes out waste. Jesus was clear, I made you that way, therefore that's how it's going to be, no matter what you put in your face. So let me encourage you there, your individual property doesn't define you, and a fool will waste their wealth. And you say, well, I don't have a lot of wealth. I just have, and you fill in the blank, pour my little wages, my per hour. Let me encourage you. You have more per week, even if you work as an intern at this church or work in the grocery store or work somewhere at a a retail place, you have more wealth typically in a week than most people have in a month or month and a half around the world. You're wealthy because God's blessed you. Listen, not because you deserve it, but there's so many people who have nothing. They have nothing around the world. And I know you can't picture, because I used to hear that and couldn't fathom it until I went to Kenya. And I'd watch children, their stomachs bloated, going, wow, they look as fat as me. And it's because they have no food and they're dying of starvation. And watch kids actually die while we're there in the desert saying they died by themselves under a broom tree because mother and father could not provide for them because there was literally no food. Children in Kenya, they will actually bleed a cow. They'll stick a dart in his neck, bleed off uh, blood out of the cow's neck into a gourd, and then they'll milk another cow. They'll tie a tourniquet, stop it from bleeding. They'll milk another cow, shake it, and the children drink blood and milk for lunch. That's their meal for the day. You say, well, Pastor, that's gross. I'm just trying to tell you it's a reality that we are spoiled people thinking, I want more. I want to encourage you. There is more that God wants you to have in your life. But as he gives you more, he wants you to give more. He is a giver. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of salvation. But he gives you so that you might receive and then turn back around and be a blessing for him. And you do it in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't give because, oh, they need a new air conditioner. God forbid that we do that ever. We would do fundraisers every week if that was what we wanted to do, right? How many fundraisers do we do as a church? Hey, we're going to have an air conditioner fundraiser. It used to be when I got here, we had a building fund. Every week when I first got here, Pastor, we have a building fund. We got to pay for the building. We got to pay for the building. I said, let the building burn to the ground. Who gives two flips about this building? If this building is so precious, listen, you couldn't even hear the gospel preached here. We'll sell this property and move to a small place or move nowhere and meet it house to house until God blesses. But God brought this church from bankruptcy, right? Foreclosure, that's where we were, to where we are today. So when the air conditioning goes out, it don't bother me. I sweat a little bit and get a cloth and wipe my big old bald head, right? That's all we do. We need to invest, Derek, in church fans. Y'all remember the church fans back in the day? We're going to put some church fans right in the pew, and you can smooth, you can make them as fast as you can. I told you a few months back, maybe last summer when the air conditioning did the same thing, make a church fan out of your bulletin. I showed you how to fold it properly. My sister is the pro, so get Nita to show you. She's the pro at making church fans. Let's continue. Verse five, uh, number five, who will inherit your stuff? Have you set up a will? Have you made it clear who gets what? Hey, if your kids are irresponsible, why would you leave great riches to a foolish son or foolish daughter? Why would you leave your resources to a kid who's lost? Because what are they going to do? They're going to spend their money, all your money that you work for, for kingdom work, and they're going to blow it on themselves. They're going to go like the prodigal son. Dad, I want my inheritance now. He was bad when he went and partied the way. But the other son was just as bad. He was mad that he had to share something that was still growing. Listen, you decide now where your stuff's going to be because your influence does not finish when you die. Do y'all know somebody who left an endowment? Do y'all know somebody who says, listen, I'm leaving a trust that it pays off X amount, people's scholarships, whatever it might be. They might give to the whatever fund. 
Listen, there's things out there we can actually give our money to kingdom work. Number six, we must strive to be rich in our relationship toward God. This is where the money's at. This is where the proverbial money's at. Verse 21, look what he says. So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Listen, there's a warning. Be rich toward God. You say, well, how can I be that? First, number one, you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, you actually follow through a believer's baptism. Number three, you get yourself into a discipleship mode where you learn from someone else. You learn from a, a mature person like we have in Catalyst this morning at 9 a.m. You learn from somebody. You get into a men's group, a women's group. You get somewhere, get under someone's teaching, submit yourself to that person, and as they follow Christ, you follow them, and then you'll get on your own eventually, and you should be teaching. I, I thought about this. How many times have we been in church longer than 30 years, and we're still sitting in Bible study class? You should be leading a class. We need classes right now for middle school. We need classes right now for college-age students. We need classes right now, teachers, for young adults. We need a lot of teachers right now. Right now, we need teachers. Well, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm equipped. Well, God forbid, go take your university degree and give it back to the university. Go take your high school diploma if you have one, give it back to the high school. Whatever certificates you've got, how do you get equipped? How do you get equipped, church? You have to be a learner before you're a teacher. And you have to learn. You must take the ways of Christ. And then you actually apply those. You say, well, I don't know enough. Teach what you know. Get, get with me as a pastor. Get with our staff. You saw our staff. Get with them and learn. Find a way forward. Because, listen, the Lord's watching. And he's got an inheritance, a blessing. That he's like, I wish Clint Smith will get his hard-headed self on track with me and a love relationship with me properly so I can give him this blessing, so I can open that door. God's not going to bless you and let you fail with all his resources. He don't want you to take his money and flush it down the toilet. God wants you to invest his resources. Let's continue. If you would, do not worry. Some of y'all are like, oh, I'm worried about saying do not worry. Time I said that, you're like, oh, I'm stressed already just because of the word. W-O, as they say where I'm from, ara, ara, wa. Right? Worry. Do not worry. Luke records Jesus saying this. Matthew records Jesus saying this. The psalmist records Jesus saying this in Psalm 37. Do not worry. And yet we go, but you don't understand my life. The one who made your life is the one who said, do not worry. Does he understand your life? 100%. Let me ask you this question. Has God ever failed? Has God ever been late? Is God stupid? Is he ignorant about anything? No. So why would we not trust the God who made us and the one who wants to save us and go forward in Jesus' name and say, listen, did he prosper Moses? Come on, talk to me. Did he prosper Moses? Uh, we, me and Mike were talking about this. How about Adam? Did he prosper Adam? Would you call Adam a billionaire, millionaire? What would you call him? There was no other body else in the planet. He owned everything, right? He, was, he had dominion over everything. How about Joseph? Did God bless Joseph? From poverty to riches, second in charge. How about David? David says, I'm reading for Samuel right now. I, I can't be the king's son-in-law because I'm just a poor man. I'm just a poor man. How did David die? Poor man? Are wealthy. Extremely. He was a king. He was wealthy. God wants to bless you abundantly more than you even know. This isn't the naming climate prosperity gospel, but listen, I think you can actually name the name of Jesus Christ and walk in his way, and he's going to prosper you so that his name is not ashamed.
Listen, he wants his people to go forth in Jesus' name. You say, Pastor, I have a need. Listen, then you bring that need to the church. If Listen, we don't go to the government for our needs. That's what's wrong with America today. We've turned all of what the church should be doing over to the government. But what the problem is, the government says, hey, you need this and this and this and this. And the government dials out a bunch of money so you can live for what you need plus what you want. Did y'all know you can actually use EBT cards to get into the museum now? Did you know I, I rolled up in the BP and I, I got Wendy a snack and a drink? Lady in front of me rolled up. She got the same thing I got, different kind of brand. And she paid with her EBT card and asked the lady at the cashier. I was like, wait a minute. Did she just pay that with EBT and Snap card or whatever it's called? And the lady said, yeah. She said, you got a problem with that? I said, oh, I got a big problem with that. I got a real big problem with that. She said, you don't think she deserves a snack like you do? I said, oh, she does, but she should work like I do. She said, well, maybe she hadn't had the same thing in your, her life that you have. I said, listen, I'm sorry. I've been poor, dirt, dog, poor. And listen, it takes something to get something. Did y'all know that? God forbid that we continue to lower the standard and say, listen, let's give more and more and more. Have more children. Don't get married, right? That's our society. That's how we pay welfare in our, church, in our society today is have more kids. A woman with four kids not married in our society makes about $60,000 a year. How sick have we become as a men and women of America and the world that we pay you to live in sin and we pay you to continue in sin? And we, go, we call it, listen, that's just our welfare de department. Welfare starts at the church of God. And the church is not providing for people. Listen, this is where it starts. Our benevolence, listen, the other word of greed to benevolence is this. Benevolence is the quality of being uh, well-meaning and kindness. Does that sound like Jesus? We are to be benevolent. Some of you, if I made you mad today, I'm sorry. But you should not make a living off welfare. You should have to work. It was designed to work and then receive something as a help, not just to sit home and play stick and video games and sit in your underwear all day and wait for somebody to deliver the goods. Now they'll make deliveries on groceries because of somebody don't want to go get their groceries. God forbid what's happening in our society. We're watching our society spiral straight to hell. You cannot sustain this kind of life because it is not a godly life. It's not a godly model. The government was never made. You know what the government was made for? The Bible tells us to punish evil. What does the Bible do now? What does the government do for evil? They call it good and they bless evil and good they call bad and they curse the good. Different sermon for a different day. Let's continue. Number eight, do not be lazy. Work for what God has provided. The Bible is very clear. Look at, those, look at those scriptures when you get home. If you want to write those down, it's online as well on Facebook. 2 Thessalonians, Paul said, if a man does not work, he shall not eat. Now, if you're disabled, listen, that's why it's called disability. There should be that help for disabled people. Would you agree? That's, if, you, if you're able to work and you won't work, that makes you sorry. You shouldn't eat. The Bible says starve to death. If you're not able to work and you want to work, that makes you disabled. That's how we help those people in need. But listen, God forbid that you sit home and play your video games while somebody's out there working hard, busting a sweat, and actually paying you to sit home in your drawers. God forbid. Now, if you're trying to make it, listen, go to the church and say, Pastor, okay, you got a problem, you put this out here, you don't like this, help me with this situation. Help me with this situation. And it's the church's responsibility to come around you and say, okay, let's have a look. 
You submit yourself, your financial records to somebody. You submit your personal standards to somebody. You submit yourself to someone who is more mature and moving down the road so they can help you in Jesus' name. It's not a punishment. And then you watch what God does. He blesses that person that blesses you. And then he blesses you for being with someone who blesses him. You say, well, I, don't, I just can't trust God for that. Has God ever been late? Has God ever been wrong? Is God the creator of all things? Is God the savior of humans? Listen, if we do it God's way, church, what do we get? God's results 100% of the time. But we can't trust him because, oh, you don't know my situation. Oh, listen, the one who made you knows your situation. You might be in your situation because you don't know him. Or you don't trust him. I, yeah, God makes everything, but I think God's a liar. Uh, God, God can't save me. He don't know my sin past. Oh, listen, you're judging me, Pastor. If I'm judging you based on what the Word of God says, listen, then I'm saying what He says, and therefore it's judgment passed forward. If God says it, then I can say it, and if you don't like it, listen, that's between you and the Lord. Amen? Let's continue. This, this, this gets deeper and deeper. How do we catch the vision of Christ? We keep and maintain your self-worth. God has given the greatest commandment. He says, love God first, love others as you love yourself. Many of you don't love yourself. You, don't, you think you're fat. You think you're skinny. You think you're too tall, too short. Something's wrong with you. The person that You let the mirror tell you what you should look like. You let social media tell you what you should look like. You let the television tell you what you should look like. And God says, look in the mirror. That's what you should look like. Now listen, find yourself in me. That should have been a big amen right there, okay? Find yourself in me. Love me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the stuff you have need of will be added to you. I'm going to give it to you because I know you have need because I made you and I love you. But then when you do it your way, all that mess you're dealing with, that's what you're going to reap. So keep and maintain your self-worth. God has given the greatest commandment and that is to love God Love others as you love yourself. Well, this is not the hippie movement, but number 10 comes from verse 27, 28. Remember the flower power. That's what I put down, flower power. All right? This is not the hippie movement of peace, not war from the 70s or 60s and 70s. Jesus said, look at verse 27 really quick, if we could. 27 says this, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even King Solomon, all of his glory, was not as raid like one of these. If God so clothes the grass, that's the flowers, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little what? That's our problem. Little faith. We don't trust that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. I want to encourage you today and ask yourself these questions. Did God say? Does God say? Is God faithful? Will God do it? We sing, we sing it, we preach it, and we walk out the door, it's kind of like something scrambles our brain and we forget all about it. Go, oh. <sighs> Remember that new car when you got it? You really couldn't afford it, but you got it anyway, they worked away, and you go, bless God, he made a way where there was no way. And then about a month and a half after making those payments, you go, what did God let me get myself into? Right? Anybody ever been there? And the value drops by thousands? Don't bless God if the world system says, I'll make a way, Right? The devil makes a way too. Just be careful. God, is this, are you in this? Let me get some counsel. Let me get some mature counsel. Should I do this or should I not? Should I take that rent? Should I not? Should I buy this house or should I not? Get godly counsel. 
Every single time on any situation, pray first to him, then seek others. I encourage you to do this. Take many walks outside and gaze at God's creation. Turn your phones off and just sit and be with God. Go to Hopeland's Gardens, beautiful places under shade. Sit and just look at the flowers. They're beautiful this time of year. They're blooming and well, they already bloomed and they're in full color. We're, I'm watering our flowers and I always plant the flowers. Wendy kills flowers. Don't ever get hurt. If you give flowers to us, make sure I know about it because I'm going to have to plant them. She has a brown, she has a black, black thumb. She, she brings death to flowers. But I'm out watering the flowers in her basket, and Wendy's like, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to plant next. I started laughing. I'm like, you ain't going to plant anything next. What do you want me to plant next? She said, that's what she means. What am I going to tell you to plant next, right? Well, I just plant what God has, and what does God do? We put it in the ground. What happens? He brings the growth. He's telling you right here, it's my job. I am the master gardener. I have the flower power. And then as soon as it's over, the season's over, I'm going to throw those away. There's no good. I'm going to do it again, right? Over and over again. All right. Number 11, seek God first. Make your relationship with him a priority. That's what he says in Matthew 6, Number 12, do not live in fear. God has the kingdom awaiting, and he is pleased to give it to all those who will believe. The, guys, listen to me. I know the youth went on a waterfall trip. The family, the faith family did. They went to the beach or going to the beach. Everything that we like about this planet Imagine where God lives. He says, I'm willing to give it to you because I'm the king of the kingdom if you just put your heart and life in my hands. Trust me. Give your heart and life to me. This is nice. God does dwell here within us. The Holy Spirit lives here because God's everywhere all the time. But imagine what heaven's going to be like. And then the new heavens and the new earth as, they, as we live in those. It's going to be an incredible place and thing and place to live. 13, save some, spend some, and give some away. Have you ever, you ever been taught that when you were a kid? Did you ever get the nickel to go to give some to the offering plate? How many of y'all are actually given a coin when you were a kid and said, put this in the offering plate at church? Did your parents do that to you? Raise your hand if you did that. We did, my parents did that. You got to have something to give. I'll tell you a quick funny story. I was, one day mom's doing her makeup, and I'm jumping. Evil Knievel was really popular when I was a kid, and this was the Grand Canyon, even though I, I know I have a big mouth, but I would jump the Grand Canyon. With my nickel. And I'm laying on the bed, and mom's like, Stop doing that. She's putting her makeup on, and I'm dressed already. She says, Stop doing it. You're going to swallow that nickel. Now, my mom can crash any good plane. She can find, it, she can find a way down, right? She, You're going to do something. It's going to happen bad. If Jesus came, she's like, Your hair's too long, or you need to shave your beard, right? And she said, Quit doing that because you're going to swallow the nickel. And I was like, I'm not going to swallow the nickel. I'm laying on the bed. Grand Canyon. And then I went, I swallowed the nickel. My, it's still, she still has it. So my dad's desk drawer, uh, you can imagine how it came out. It didn't come out as shiny as it went in. <laughs> Had to go to the emergency room. So be careful. Listen, when we look at this, we save some. I should, that nickel was supposed to be in the offering plate, but I put it in my belly instead. Save some, spend some, and give some away. Your resources come from God. Continuously reinvest them in the kingdom. In the kingdom. And listen, I want you to see, demonstrate compassion to those around you. How do you invest in the kingdom? Look around. Look around. You can bless somebody else. Somebody needs a car, you have an extra, give it. Bless them. If somebody has a need, listen, don't just bless them say, here's the keys, but are you, in, are you able to receive it? If somebody gave me a 6,000 square foot house, I'd be like, no and thank you, right? I'm retired. I'm not retired. I'm old. Not retired yet. I don't have any kids at home. And and somebody says, well, wouldn't you like a big house? And I'm like, uh, 
There's a lot of hotels my kids can stay in when they come around. I don't want a big house, right? No and thank you. Amen? Some of you are like, I just want a bigger house. Well, to each his own. Fourteen, lastly, the place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Is that true from the Word of God? Where your treasure is, Jesus said, that's where your heart's going to be. Let's pray together. Listen, we have an invitation. And I know we're getting, it's warm and hot. And I like it. I was trying to make it as sweaty in here as possible today. I, I should have asked Derek to turn the heat on. We would appreciate it, right? If we were in the Bahamas or somewhere you want to be in a tropical paradise, we could have been there in church today. But let me encourage you today. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? You can't experience anything we're talking about if you don't have a permanent love relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't listen. You can't catch the vision of Christ. It starts with a relationship with him. That's how you catch the vision. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner because your Bible says, Romans 3.23, listen, for the wages of sin, excuse me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Who's in all? I'm in all, you're in all. 6.23 says, for the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, well, I've heard that before. Have you submitted to that? Lord, I want that free gift of life and I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm tired of my sin. By the way, just as a side note, sin will make you so stinking tired. You'll be exhausted. Sin will wear you out. Your work will be harder. Your life will be harder, and you can't care. You feel like I'm just going to. That's why people are committing suicide left and right today, because they can't bear the weight of sin. Sin gets heavier and heavier. I don't care how young you are. Sin will weigh you down like boat anchors, and it will eventually kill you. You've got to let somebody take it from you. And Jesus said, hey, take my burden upon you. It's light. I'm going to be with you, and I, I carry the weight for you. My burden is light. So today, if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, we'll be here. We want to talk with you and pray with you. You can pray where you are, but as we stand together, let's stand now as we sing. Listen, we invite you to come. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Come, pray for someone who needs to be saved. You know them by name. You know them. Let's be thinking like Jesus thinks. Let's fulfill the Great Commission as we pray today.